Hey, Mark. Hey, Katie. Hey, you want to do a podcast? Yeah. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Unforget Yourself Show, where we use the power of woo and the proof of science to help you identify your blind spots, get over your own bullshit, <gasps> so that you can do the fucking thing you actually want to do. Absolutely. I'm Mark. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of Unforget Yourself and the creators of the Unforget Yourself system. Look, being a business owner is tough. Yeah. With vulnerability and with humor, mm-hmm. we'll be sharing with you the real stories behind the success of those brave and crazy enough to start their own business and to show you that you're not alone. You're not. Well, from the accidental entrepreneur to the laser-focused CEO, we have honest conversations about how they got to where they are today. We talk about the challenges that they faced and what they're currently dealing with in real time on their roller coaster journey. Along the way, we want to show you that it's, it's you. You are the most important asset in your business. Yeah, you are. So let's cut the bullshit and start the show. Enjoy. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. So today we have with us Noah Glixman, health coach for entrepreneurs and businesses and author of the book Naked After Divorce. Hey, Noah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me here, and thank you, everybody who's listening. You're welcome. So, hey, can you just expand a bit more on on that introduction to let everyone know, you know, who you are, you know, who you love to serve and where you are in your business right now. Yes, absolutely. So my journey started with um, me suffering from burnout, me being a businesswoman and entrepreneur who suffered from burnout and uh, almost died from it because I forgot myself. So I had to unforget myself. <laughs> and my memory was so bad that I just kept going. I kept pushing. You know, I was in that environment that it's like, just push it. There's nothing. It's just stress. Just go, you know, do a meditation session, catch a yoga class, uh, go on a, on a week break. And then my body collapsed and I was really, really sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to quit my job and dedicate my life to research and see what was wrong with me because doctors, doctors couldn't find what was wrong with me. When I was finally diagnosed, um, I lost... Most of my function in my left lung, I had five very septic ulcers that were eating away my esophagus. And all I had was silent reflux. That was it. Very simple. Well, shit. Yeah, it got to a point after years that it was just literally eating me alive from the inside. Mm -hmm. And they just gave me a bunch of medicine going, you know, being from a completely healthy person Remember when I was little, my mother used to joke and say, doctors depending on you, they would starve. For God's sake, to having a whole pharmacy at home uh-huh. and not being able to eat, not being able to go up a flight of stairs without having to rest and breathe, um, being a shell of a person. And then I was like, no, this is not going to be my life from now on. Like, there's got to be a better way. And I did a lot of research. I did a lot of courses. I got obviously certified as a health coach and then as a life coach. And people around me saw the changes. So they started asking me, how'd you do that? How'd you go from, you know, burnout and sick to being healthy again and happy? We want some of that too. And then I started helping other business people know my closed network. That's how it starts. And then it ripples, you know, has a ripple effect to the rest of the world. I started helping them recover from burnout and the respective illnesses that were showing up in their bodies. It could mm-hmm. be migraine, it could be overweight, it could be IBS, it could be reflux, it could be, um, I remember even arthritis. So, so whatever their body is choosing yeah. a way to talk to you and say, hey, 
you've got to slow down this isn't right for you yeah whoever has been around kids you know some kids they will nag you by yelling some kids will nag by jumping on you some will pull on your clothes some will just be quiet in the room it's just like the inner child in you will choose a way to get your attention right and um you will probably react the same way that adults reacted to your inner child so if you were ignored when you were seeking you know some attention as a kid you're gonna ignore yourself so rewind all the way back i mean I, i love the way that your passion your business has come about from one searching for yourself I mean, so many stories I've heard are people who have found their career, their passion through. I needed it for me first. And then once I mastered it, holy crap, you mean I can help the world with what I've learned? So that's a beautiful sort of story you've had there. But can you now pinpoint with your experience those little signs as you were going through your corporate world that that was a warning sign and that was a warning sign and you can see what you ignored along the way? Yeah, I think the first sign, and not just at work, because um, we were just talking about this before the podcast, everything is linked. Yeah. But it shows up more at work. It's the lack of boundaries. Mm -hmm. Because um, in a personal relationship, if you're meeting with a friend and you say, hey, yeah, let's meet for dinner, but... You know, I have to leave at 10 because the babysitter can only stay until 1030. You're setting that boundary and you're leaving at 10. A lot of times when we go to work, corporate or entrepreneur, we don't have, we don't respect our own boundaries or our boundaries are not respected. If you have a high demanding job, you cannot just drop your pen at five and say, I gotta go. Because it might be frowned upon. And you might be called into, you know, you're not being a role model for your coworkers, your new employees. Mm. Uh, you haven't, you know, we're not paying you hourly. We're paying you to get the job done and the job's not done. So we have more on our plate than we initially anticipated what was presented to us. So I think this lack of boundaries, um, either self-imposed because it is our livelihood and we do see the ripple yeah, effect. Or cultural that it's imposed uh, on us, that it's expected, yes. that with, even when it's maybe not even told to us, but we've seen all the films or the TV shows that it's glorified what you should be doing, that you kind of want to mirror that in a way. You're not going to get the promotion. You're not going to get a good review. You might not get a race because you're doing your nine to five, but that's what I was hired to do, my nine to five, right? Mm. Uh and even if it ends up being a nine to nine and you leave for two hours in the afternoon to go to a child's recital, you're frowned upon. Even though you're doing more than two hours after, you know, instead of leaving at five, you're leaving at nine, you're compensating four hours for the two hour break you took. Mm. Um, yeah, it is cultural, not just culture in the countries we're, we're living in, but the companies that we're serving, the backgrounds of our families. Like you said, you're British, but you're living in a different country. So you're having to deal with British culture and the new culture, your parents' culture, being an immigrant culture, you know, like it's it's just so many things in our minds that yeah. we, we are told to be like, you know, little bees or little ants. We are part of the system unless you're the queen bee. 
You know, I want to also look at this, the flip side of that because, again, you said offline, we were chatting about how everything's connected, health, romance, uh-huh. finance, relationships, work, all these different aspects, they're all finely linked in our ecosystem. But work is a place where you have the, the lack of boundary. You're expected to, to work harder and hustle through. On the flip side, we also can use work as an escape mechanism, a place to hide. So rather than focus on the relationship that's falling apart, bury ourselves in work rather than stress about our health bury yourself in work and boy by doing that you're actually going to further fuel the thing that you're trying 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 so hard to avoid yeah yeah and that ends up damaging that relationship even more because the person who's picking up quote unquote your slack at home is suffering from your lack of boundaries at work and having to put up with your lack of with disrespecting their boundaries at home. Yeah, yeah. So you've been through a, a wealth of experiences already. You've, you've shared with us your, your story, how you, what happened to you, why you do the things you do. So let's fast forward to today. So how are you able to show up for you know, the clients, the people that you serve? How do you work with them to be able to start to unpick and unlock the things that they need? So first, I think that good coaches don't have answers. They have questions. I always like comparing coaches to to a guide. If you were going to climb the Everest, and anyone here who's done it, please correct me if I'm wrong, but you need a guide to do that. (laughs) I think you need more than a guide. But I'm pretty sure that in the whole support system, you have to do that. There's someone that will pretty much instruct you on what to pack in your bag, what route to take, um, when to stop climbing, mm-hmm. you know, day, the, the being attentive to the weather, how to set up camp, when to pack and start over. And, but you're the one climbing it. You are the one who's actually taking step by step. You're the one who needs to be fit. You're the one who needs to make the decision to get fit. So like you're saying, the first thing is that preparation. What is it that you want? Do you want to get to base one? Do you want to get all the way to the top? You know, if you look at other coaches, if you want to play basketball, do you want to play basketball in your neighborhood or do you want to make it to the NBA? You need a different coach for that. Right. You're not going to hire the same coach if you have a five year old who wants to make to the, you know, the neighborhood team or the school team. Mm. Or if you have a 12 year old who has potential to be drafted by the NBA. So it's first it's assessing what is the person's goal. If I am the right fit for them. I don't play the games of, you know, like, oh, I reject 80 percent of my client. I don't reject anyone. <laughs> and I'm not rejected by anyone, you know. And and even now writing the book with a completely different subject, I tell people incompatibility is not rejection. You know, it's and if you success in- that you're able to have that conversation and find yeah. out that you are the right fit, or cool, you're not the right fit for me for where I'm going. And even sometimes I tell people, I said, I think I can really help you, but our chemistry isn't flowing like the communication we are gonna we're gonna struggle at some point so i i first i want to understand if you feel the same thing that i'm feeling because it's 
it might it might sound a little woohoo, but I think we're mature and experienced enough to understand it's not. Mm. It's like, do you feel what I'm feeling? It's not flowing 100%. It might be flowing 80%. And maybe it's a trust issue that we're going to overcome as you progress and reach some goals working with me. Um, it might be just the kind of relationship you're used to that you need to butt heads with someone or you need to have that confrontation in order to overcome that and then trust someone. Mm. And we understand what that is. Or sometimes it's just, um, I can refer you to someone else. So I think the first thing with any relationship is compatibility, is understanding what the person wants, what I can offer personally, professionally, experience-wise. Like I said, when I work with someone that had arthritis, they said I've never worked with someone with arthritis before. But I've worked with such a huge range of non-communicative diseases, which is pretty much anything that's not contagious, that I am willing to give it a try. I am curious to take you on as a client. Are you willing to take, you know, the risk that you might have a relief in your symptoms and not have the 100% success that everybody has? And she was like, yes. She was a doctor that specialized in that. She was like, yes, I'm willing to try anything. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. And I think in the week seven, she was like, I cannot believe this worked. I have no pain. This is magic. And I was like, no, this isn't magic. It may feel magical, but, you know, you were doing the work. She was like, oh, I am. So I think that's the second step of, of, of the work. Once you're compatible, it's understanding that it is on you. You're just getting guidance. It's like getting a degree. No one's going to write the papers for you. No one's going to go to class for you. You know, it's just systems that work. Mm-hmm. And understanding yourself along this journey. I, mean, I know you were drawn to the, the podcast with our name, Unforget Yourself. Now, this is such a pivotal part of of what we help people through to realize it's you have the answers. You just lost your way, whether it's you've lost the happiness, lost the focus. But what you're trying to say there and beautifully put is you have the way you have the answers. You probably know exactly everyone at home, whether it's health, relationships, business, you probably know exactly what you need to do or what you shouldn't be doing. You're just not doing it. So your role is to bring out from a health perspective what the answers are, what the truth is, and what they actually should be doing. That's simplifying it down, but is that the very essence of what you do? Um, Yes, yes. It is the first step is understanding what the person wants, what they need, understanding that you don't need to separate both. And then, of course, to be an effective coach, in my opinion, you need to, you know, results. I'm very results-oriented, go-oriented. You need to understand and prioritize what it is that you want to accomplish mm-hmm. and get it done. So then it's the, the part where you provide the tools. And then you give the guidance. So it's basically, if I have to simplify, I think anything that works has needs to have three very basic things. One is a system, right? Um, So I mean, you guys are coaches too. You have a system. The second thing you need to have support. And the third that most people oversee and or don't even realize is accountability. Look at the gym. How many people sign up? They have a system. I'm going to go, I'm going to work on the machines or I'm going to sign up for classes. 
they have the support, right? They have the car to take them there or the bus to take them there or the legs to walk there. They have the teacher who's going to show up. They have the support, which is, you know, they're going to hand you a towel. They're going to have the facilities, but they don't have the accountability. People that have personal trainers, yeah, they've done more because the money makes them accountable. Not necessarily the personal trainer. If they had a personal trainer that was volunteering, I bet a lot of people wouldn't show up either. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For some people, it's find the right again, find the right yeah. thing for you. Is the right driver? Is it the financial inputs? Yeah. Is it the the ego? Is it the promises? For some people, the promises I make is more important than the money. So again, finding what's right for you. Where's your yeah? Well, how are you accountable? I, I think for women, a lot of time is my wedding. You know, like the wedding is keeping me accountable because I envision myself looking a certain way or a certain size or I bought the dress at a certain size. Look at schools. School is a system. You have support. We're not going to get into how good the school system is. And I'm pretty sure we're, you know, agreeing a lot of things when it comes to that and then the listeners do. But there, there's a system. You go from grade one to grade 12 in most countries. You have the support. You have teachers. You have desks. You have books. You have notebooks. You have pens and pencils and blackboards. And you have accountability. You have to turn in your homework. You have to write papers. You have to pass your exams. Mm. So I think that if we look at life and we look at things that work, and we, we can discuss another time or range if they work well or not, <laughs> like, like the schooling system or the health system and things like that. But there's a system. There's, a, there's support and there's accountability. And I think that as coaches... This is the biggest part of what we provide to a client. To a client, So we were talking about the system before. The system is, first of all, understanding what do you need? What do you want? You only, you have the questions. You know, a lot of coaches promise to deliver this. I, first of all, I don't make any promises because it's up to you. I promise to show up with a system that it's proven to work. I promise to show up with the best support I can be, which isn't, you know, sometimes it's going to be a cheerleader. Sometimes it's going to be tough love and to keep you accountable, accountable to your own goals. You don't owe me anything. You owe to yourself everything. Hey, that's beautifully, beautifully put. Thank you. Let's, let's, let's take that. So we understand completely about your business and your, your methodologies and the way that you work. But let's look at you, the business owner. So where is where is your business going right now? Through your evolution, through the many clients that you've had, where is your area of focus? Where is your drive and where is your accountability to continue to, to grow and evolve yourself? Mm, see, I told you coaches have excellent questions that make us think. <laughs> so um I went through a lot coming out of my burnout. The ripple effect was major. It, it wasn't just a ripple. It was more like a tsunami. Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, it, it, it led to moving countries, getting a divorce, um, changing the direction of my coaching, not just working with entrepreneurs, but supporting companies that wanted to change that culture of burnout as a consultant. And then one day I just had an epiphany I don't know if I, maybe epiphany is in the right word. Um, haven't found the right word yet. I just vomited a book. 
literally sat down and I couldn't stop pouring it out of me. And um, that book made me think of a new direction because the book doesn't deal with the burnout. The book deals with the aftermath. You know, Mm -hmm. when the burnout was in the past and I was already divorced, I was already a coach. Um, What is it that I wanted? And what a lot of us want and don't realize, you know, like some of the basic human needs, connection, belonging, Mm -hmm. um, sex, intimacy, uh, all those words that sometimes are so taboo, we'd rather just a connection. No, I mean, we are mature people. We can say, I want to have good sex. I want to have intimacy with the person I'm having good sex. I might not want to love them. Or the opposite, I might love someone, but I don't feel the intimacy and the connection that will lead to have a sexual relationship. And where does all that leave us in in the post-divorce life when we can focus on ourselves? And I call it finding the way from we back to me. You know, when you're thinking about yourself and, and after all those taboos of selfishness, no, it's not being selfish. It's not being self-righteous. It's not being any of those bad words that we use to, you know, not have boundaries. It is saying, oh, I'm a human being too. Oh, I'm not just a human being. I'm a woman. Oh, I'm not just a woman. I'm a partner. Oh, I'm a mother. Like, Acknowledging that you have so many different hats and different needs and wants, which, you know, that they might seem conflicting to society. Like, how as a mother, do I want to have casual sex because I'm not ready to have intimacy in a relationship with someone? What kind of role model am I to my teenagers? An awesome one. <laughs> so my book is really about the self-discovery of you in the aftermath of burnout and divorce, of finding with everything, you know, yeah. one of Katie's best analogies is, you know, we, you, it's like opening a door that you've never gone in, turn on the light and be like, oh shit, it's a fucking mess in here. Okay, yes. what's going on? Let's not walk out, let's stay in it, find some people to come with us and just sort through. So this is about you finding your way through all the stuff, all the aftermath, I think it's a stage before finding my way. It is finding my way, but it's a very important part of finding a way that most people maybe aren't aware or don't allow themselves to go through. So the book is short stories and it's divided into the five stages of grief. So I'm actually grieving the loss of my old life, Mm -hmm. my corporate life, the safe paycheck, the status the 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 stable relationship we're together for almost 15 years my life looked like perfection from the outside mm-hmm. we were both successful good looking healthy fit um we have triplets everybody's helping you know healthy my kids are straight a students we lived in amazing locations by the beach in the caribbean and mexico and traveled you know long summers in europe it was like if you have the checklist of Gen X, we were like, we made it. We were good. And I was like, no. So he was grieving everything. He was like understanding that I was still in denial. And then understanding and allowing myself to be angry. 
angry at and my partner, angry and my bosses, angry and my children, but most of all, angry at myself mm. for allowing my life to reach that point. You know, like the kid having a tantrum, the kid already called you, the kid asked, the kid nagged you, and then it's like on the floor screaming and kicking. So like the, how did I allow myself to not listen to myself because I was following the guidebook to be a successful Gen X woman? You know, yeah. woman. Yeah. Yes, I did it. Yes. That allowing, I think, yeah, brings you to the point of empowering because once you are able to overcome the fact that it was me, I I played a role in this. Maybe not every single bit, but there was definitely a bit of responsibility that comes from that. Then you move into the empowerment of, okay what next where can i move and of course that 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 happens to a lot of people during the next stage after denial and anger which is depression when you're like oh no oh no like you really um i like am i allowed to use quote unquote bad words the floor is yours the shit show <laughs> that's what i call it so now when i came back and I've been seeing, you know, old acquaintances or friends. I just hug them. I'm like, thank you for watching the shit show. It's over. I'm good. <laughs> and they all laugh. And I'm like, show's over. Um, it's, it's, and, and you feel like you're the only one going through this, you know? And, mm. and then, and sorry, after anger is negotiation. It's not depression. I just had no one to negotiate with. <laughs> Because I quit my job and and the person I was getting a divorce from did not want to negotiate, did not want to go to um, to therapy or to mediators or anything. So it was, a bit, was very brief for me, which led me to the bridging. Did you maybe and, find that you were negotiating with yourself? You were battling internally with, with yourself over this experience? Oh, yes. That was, it was, that's another thing that a lot of people don't understand about the five stages of grief. They're not linear. It's not like, oh. I'm done being angry. Now we're going to go and negotiate. No, 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 no. You can't experience denial, anger, depression, and acceptance all through an hour of negotiating with a mediator and your ex or your boss. You can be depressed and have a wonderful week of acceptance and then have a moment of anger and then realize that you're still in denial about, you know, your kids or about... Mm -hmm. You need to make in your life, like downsizing or investing in yourself. It's it's crazy. It's all over. It's like I said, it's a shit show. So it was interesting because while I was writing, not you know, not writing the book, but already editing, but my social media became more about the book and the subject. Um, I had the first person approach me and say, I lost my partner of 17 years. He passed away, and I need some help. Can you help me? And I said, what kind of help would you like? Again, like what kind, you know, it's a lot of coaches say yes. And I'm like, what does help look like to you? She said, I, I don't even know. And I said, if, if part of the help is finding out, then definitely I can help you. And it was beautiful because um, she understood the beauty of having acceptance while being depressed of allowing yourself to be angry while you're negotiating. 
you know, like how they mix in ways that can serve you, that having tools to navigate and not feel like you're crazy and you are, you know, the, the, the one woman show in a shit show for the whole boat to watch, just not understanding what's happening with your own emotions and questioning your sanity and being highly stressed and when is this going to go away? When am I going to feel normal again? What is mm. normal going to look like? And um, But back to one of your very first points that you raised, it's about okay. understanding that you're, you're not alone through all this. Yeah. No matter what you're going through, relationships, yeah. business, you yeah. are not alone. To find the yeah. right people with the right guidance to the form of a, a podcast or a book or a mentor yeah. or a coach or whatever it might be, you are not alone with whatever you're going through. So yeah. with, with that takeaway, Noah, I want to thank you so much for for sharing your very, very personal journey with us and the nuggets of help and advice and questions along the way. Um, this has been so much valuable fun. Thank you. I'm glad. You're welcome. If people want to find out a bit more about you and especially find out you, know, you to, to you know, check out your book, where can they find you? So um, the podcast, this episode is going to be released when the book is already published and it's going to be published through Amazon. So you can search for naked after divorce, but I think the best bet is the website because that's always going to be updated about what's going on today. Uh, we just launched a Kickstarter campaign. So that's the update there. And when we launch the book and publish the book, it's going to be there. So it's the same name. It's very easy. Naked after divorce, but make sure you do naked after divorce because if you do less than that, you're going to reach porn sites. <laughs> <laughs> um, be, be careful what you search for. Nakedafterdivorce.com, right? One of my teenagers was like, um, mom, did you realize that a lot of people are going to be reaching porn sites instead of your website? And I was like, oh, that was an oversight, but I'm not changing the name of the book. It was in the early days of the editing. And, you know, when I was like so happy, I found the, the right name for the book the double meaning of naked. So nakedafterdivorce.com. That's simple. That's the name of the book. That's where I'm leading things right now. I love the double meaning of the word naked. The, you know, it's not just taking your clothes off. It's really having that exposure of this is me naked. This is me authentic. This is me raw. This is my pain. This is my pleasure. And it's okay to showcase it again to to show that I'm not alone. You're not alone. We're all going through this in some way, shape, or form. Beautiful words. Here for each other. If that resonates, please, please go and check it out. And I wish you all the luck and success with with your book launch. Thank you. And with the podcast, this was amazing. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And I hope we connect in other ways in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, Katie. Yeah, Mark? Want to do an outro? I sure do. Sweet. Hey, thank you so, so much for listening and making it to the end. Yay, you. So what happens next? We ask them the things that podcasters are supposed to ask at the end of an episode. Can you please rate, review, download? Subscribe. Mm. Yeah. But why is it important? Because that's how 
how our podcast gets noticed. That's how people find us. It is, and we want all their earballs. <laughs> all the earballs all over the place. We do. Nice. Yeah, so please do all those things. We'll be ever so grateful. And then more people hear your beautiful voice. Or yours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See you next time. Bye.